We're going to get into a text here this morning just so that you're aware. I know that you're standing still. And uh, before we start reading, we're going to read 10 verses here today, verses 1 through 10. And this is the story of Joseph a little later in life. His father had displayed some extra affection. How many know that there can be sibling rivalry? It's a real thing, right? If you got a sibling, you know. Some people in here, you don't understand that. But most of us in here, if you have a sibling, Brother Barkus, it doesn't seem like it was a great parental move to give Joseph that coat. <laughs> Seems like a setup. Um, some, there's some, some favoritism that's there. And then how many would admit, I, I don't know, Joseph, that it was the best idea to come and start telling your bundle dream. And this whole thing about the stars and the moon, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure when even the guy giving you the coat has trouble with your dream. Are we going to all bow down to you? We know that his life was full of twists, turns, and temptations. But Joseph remained true to the God dream in his life. If you're here today and you're doing your best to live for God, you're doing it in spite of the tests, you're doing it in spite of the turns. You're doing it in spite of the tribulations and in spite of the temptations that want to destroy you. But God does desire for us to live for Him and to fulfill His will for our life. Someone say amen to that. Genesis 39 reads this way, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord. Mm. Let's not read that too quick. And the Lord was with Joseph. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, just nudge him, tell him the Lord's with you. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was what kind of man? He was a prosperous man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. His master saw that the Lord was with him. The Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Joseph found grace in his sight. He served him made him an overseer over his house. All that he had, he put into his hand. Came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in the house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house, not for his sake, for Joseph's sake. 
Always be careful when you see blessing and make sure you know for whose sake the blessing is coming. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. He left all that he had in Joseph's hand. He knew not aught he had, say the bread, which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person, well-favored. Came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master, what if not what is with me in the house? And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is, there is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. Might seem like a little bit of an odd text and certainly a slow work through in our opening. But I feel to draw as impressed in prayer from that verse eight, the first three words, but he refused. If we're gonna do the will of God, there are gonna be some things I've got to refuse. Lord, we pray you'd help us in this house. Help me to be effective. Help me to be efficient as I strive to speak to the people. I pray you'd open our hearts, our minds, our understanding, and our response to your word. We ask for your help. Let your anointing break every yoke. Let your spirit move and feel. We pray it in the name of Jesus Christ and let everyone say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I ask you to be seated with my title still fresh on my lips and I repeat it for your hearing as you settle in but not strap in. But he refused. But the Massengale, they're not exciting words, but they are steadfast words. They're not really the type of words that many sermons are made of. Certainly, to our college students, they're not really three of the exciting words for launching out into a message. Unless you are the one that was directly affected by the fact that someone refused. I would say there are multiple people that are at play in Joseph's refusal. Almost everyone in this building, whether you would like to admit it or not, somewhere in life have been denied. To our established married couples, I would venture to say there are multiple marriages in this room that represent the first time you asked her out 
She refused. Some of you are here as the testimony of persistence. Had one guy tell me, I just wore her down. He was quite proud of it. And the truth is, it made sense. Because when we saw him and we saw her, we... <laughs> It's the truth. <laughs> but he refused. Everyone say he refused. he refused. If we look at face value, we might miss the intricate details of the text. Now, I will, at the very beginning of this message, knowing that there are many scholars even in this room, several with great education, some in this room with doctorates in areas, others with masters, others with bachelor's degrees, and others with just life experience. We, we heard from some incredible life experience even here on Wednesday night. Uh, I, let me pick on Brother Henderson for a moment in the middle of a doctoral program and uh, great leadership work that he's done. And I want to confess to you openly before the church, okay, that I am not a scholar of Hebrew. So what I'm about to do, are you a scholar of, no, me neither, <laughs> right? I just, that's my joke about it. I, I, I don't know it. I love to learn little nuggets. And so I recognize, I always tell young men, young men and young ladies that get up to minister and they say things like, and in the Hebrew, because they found it in a commentary, brother Brown, that's a very dangerous game, isn't it? When you don't know how to frame it all in. So I've tried to do some source checking and I've tried to do some working and make sure that I'm, I'm working with commentaries that I agree. And this is a pretty well studied and well fleshed out concept. But for those of you that like to dig in theologically, we have some men that like to study in a little bit and work on some of this and like to talk every now and then I'll walk past one of the coffee area tables and they're talking about a topic and they're digging into something that the average person might not be interested in, but they're very interested in. So I want to give you a word from the Old Testament. It seems to be only found four places in the Torah and it's called Shalshalet. It's how we would pronounce it. This is what it would look like in the Hebrew, it would be a, a little bit of a different image unless you, if you're, a, if you're a Hebrew scholar, I don't know if they can show that image, but I'd like you to please. That right there, you see that, see that little line that's at the top? See that little squiggle? It's really, Brother Stumbo, what that is, this little cantillation here, this little squiggle only used the four places in the Torah was speaking in reference to how a particular portion of the text is to be emphasized or to be read and to be dealt with. And it is, let's show the next slide. I want to see this just little up and down of this squiggly line. See, now to most of us in this room, that doesn't mean anything, but I, I want I want you to hear, help us to understand kind of what the notes sound like. Everybody say, wow. <laughs> Do that one more time. They're still in shock. 
It doesn't mean much to us when we hear that until we find out there's only four places in the entire Old Testament where this shall, shalet is actually emphasized and the citation is placed. And really what it is showing is in the moment of the participant or the individual of the text that there seems to be some moment of internal conflict and hesitation. You preached so powerfully last week, Pastor Lopez, about repentance. And when I was listening and I was hearing the difference about what repentance really is and, and listening to what it means to turn, I'm reminded that at times there is this internal conflict. I've had so many that have talked to me over the years, whether they were a new believer or even an older believer that had fell along the way. And they would tell me that their fear of repentance was because they were already anticipating going back into what they had been in before. The fear of crying those tears in an altar because I will turn back to the alcohol. Or I will turn back to the addiction that has had my life. And, and it's that fear. And, and, and this, 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 this moment, this, this place, these, these few words. But he refused. One more time. Now do it a little slower. Now a little slower. And if we are not careful, we will get our Bible reading done collectively or individual and we will simply read across, but he refused. And we will make it seem as though Joseph is this heroine in the text and, and he really is when we consider him weighed against people like Adam and Eve or even Moses or even some of the great leaders early in the text like Abraham and, and we see the strength and the tenacity and the portrayal in Joseph's life. How did he never fail and we might miss his humanity lest we dive into the text and understand that in this moment this is what was happening inside there was this internal up and down up and down up and down we wouldn't know until later on in the text. It would be much later, way beyond the Old Testament and all the way into the New Testament when the man named Paul would record it by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill, what? The lust. Of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary. Everyone say contrary. How many know it's not just our kids that are contrary? Or if you're from where I'm from, you say contrary. 
It's not just the kids that are contrary, but it's this flesh. It is contrary to the spirit so that you cannot do the things that you would. And, and there is this internal. And while we don't want to recognize it or, or maybe while we would like to glamorize it, there is here within the life of Joseph, this one who has been absolutely alienated by his brothers. He has been sold off into slavery. He has been portrayed as dead to his father how much hate how much resentment must have had the opportunity to enter into his mind and enter into his heart and yet he goes and he finds favor because God can set you up even when people try to tear you down I want to tell somebody this morning when it's God's will, he can take carnal people and get his will fulfilled. Don't you worry about what people are saying about you as long as you know what God is saying about you and what God is saying to you. And he goes through this up and down situation and circumstance and yet he's found himself in Potiphar's house with the blessing. He has absolute blessing. He has great command. Here he is second in command at the words of his own lips. He has the ability to do anything until this voluptuous beauty. How do you know his wife was pretty? There was hesitation in him. There was something about her. That was beautiful. Can I tell you? The devil knows what your thing is. That's why the Bible does say that weight or the sin. I think that's a reason it doesn't just say weight or sin. It says a weight or the, the sin. Everybody in this room, it'd be an embarrassing moment for everybody, but if we passed the mic around and everybody was really honest, we could talk about the thing we struggle with, right? And the enemy knows how to try to come at you where you've fallen before or what you're dealing with now. Listen, the, it, he is not, Satan is not omnipresent. He is not omniscient. He is not all-knowing. He's not all-powerful, but he does have eyes and he's after yours. He is watching he is seeking whom he may devour. That means he's looking at you and trying to find out whether or not you are appetizing. And if gossip is your situation, he'll give you the opportunity to gossip. If stealing is your struggle, he will give you the setup for stealing. If slander, if emulations, if wrath, if heresy, if strife, if any of those... If any of those things are your thing, he will do his best to set you up in an occasion for failure. And in this moment in Joseph's life, it seems like nothing has worked. And so here we are really at the greatest moment of temptation in Joseph's life. It's Potiphar's wife. And here she comes to him. Joseph is being praised for everything that's happening in the kingdom. Joseph is being exalted. He's being honored. We're looking because of the Lord's blessing and favor. Watch this. It's important to notice this. Can you bear? Are you okay? Bear with me for a second. We study through this just a minute. The Lord's favor is on Joseph. Everybody know it was the Lord's favor? It was the Lord's favor. And here comes a carnal individual who is enamored by the Lord's favor. Her absolute job 
is to destroy the Lord's favor. She's drawn to the Lord's favor, but does not want to be in the Lord's will. That's why we've got to be careful when God's favor is upon us and people are attracted to us that we do not change who we are just because they show up. I'm glad, Potiphar's wife, I'm glad you think I'm, I'm a nice guy, but I don't want there to be that lusting. That's what Joseph needed. I don't need there to be that lusting or that drawn to the power or drawn to the favor or drawn to the blessing of God. We have seen, how many know that we have seen people everywhere that at the efforts of drawing attention will lessen their own conviction? Joseph would have fallen and he would have failed had he given in in that moment. I think she was a beautiful woman. I, I seem to feel and hear and we, we watch the rise and the fall which seems to point to the hesitation and the inner turmoil that is taking place within his life. And yet he does not give in. Somebody say, thank God that he doesn't give in. Thank God that he doesn't give in. Charles Spurgeon wrote these words. Slavery itself was a small calamity compared with that which would have happened to young Joseph had he been enslaved by wicked passions. We'll say it again. Slavery itself was a small calamity compared with that which would have happened to young Joseph had he been enslaved by wicked passions. Pastor, why are you preaching this to us on a Sunday morning? Because when I was in prayer this, this week and seeking God again for where we would be and asking God about who would gather in here, he let me know about people that were walking in here this morning and no one knows, but there is a war inside for you. There is a hesitation in your spirit. What does that mean, Pastor? What are you, what are you calling out? No, here's what I'm telling you. You're normal. I'm telling you you're human. But if he refused. Can I say it this way? If Joseph refused before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. How much more should we who have been filled with his spirit. And baptized in his name. Be able to say I repented. And therefore, I'm not going to let sin rule over my body. I'm not going to let sin rule over my mind. I'm not going to let sin rule over my eyes. I'm not going to let sin rule over my ears. I'm going to go a little bit further. I'm not going to let sin rule my heart. I'm not going to give sin all my thoughts and all my... No, I'm not going to do it. So I'm going to refuse. But I don't know that I can really do this. Turn, turn to 1 Corinthians, if you will. 1 Corinthians 10. If you could put that scripture up on the screen. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. If you don't have a Bible, you can read it along with us from the, the screen here today. And I, I, I want everybody in the building, I want you to lift your voice with me. We'll try to read this in harmony together. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God... Stop. <laughs> But he refused. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape 
that ye may be able to bear it. But let, let's play this out. Brother Ben, run up here real quick. Stand right there. I want to go to the pulpit, okay? I just want you to keep me from going to the pulpit, okay? No. <laughs> he said, I don't think you need to take your coat off. Okay, let's put you. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, I don't mean this offensive. We'll let someone that doesn't have the ability to stop us. We got people that can't shake addictions that you're stronger than. But you get there and the, and the situation looks intimidating. And you're afraid that if you actually work too hard, what happens if I try and I fail? At some point, I have to do this. Whether it affects me or not, I've got to let what's refusing me become refused. Come on, there is nothing worth your soul. There's nothing worth your family. There's nothing worth your calling. There's nothing. There's nothing worth your repentance. There's nothing worth your deliverance. Sit down. Go sit down, if you will. Thank you. Sister Hout, come here. Thanks. Sorry. You can get mad at me for this later. Okay, so here we go. You okay? Put your arms up. Now she's smaller than him. Thank God. Brother Houghton. I've seen a lot of men over my years. But this is the temptation. Joseph's moment. Okay, Joseph's moment here. He had to refuse. It wasn't about fighting a big man. It was about fighting a small woman. You've heard me say about Samson that he was a he man with a she weakness. Right? Sometimes, sometimes your just sometimes your problems right here. And we are living in a world that is consumed with, I'm a man, so I can't get past. Let me tell you how easy it is. Thank you. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying we need to get a little refusal back in our spirit and back in our mind. We need to get a fresh baptism. But he refused. And I know that there was this little fight and I'm preaching, man, I'm, I'm preaching. I'm trying to reach from heaven for somebody because I feel this hesitation in your spirit. I don't know if I can. I, I don't know that I want to. I, I'm not sure that I, I want to. And I'm trying to tell you, Joseph, if you will refuse this moment, it will unlock things in you. Your ministry will stand on the foundation. You've heard this, but let me... 
You've heard this, but let me preach it again because I feel it. Man, I felt it in prayer this week. There were things, there were things that were unlocked in Joseph after this refusal that he never had before. Joseph was only a dreamer until that moment. After that moment, he's a dream interpreter. I love dreaming, but I'm ready to be able to call some things to pass, speak, speak some things that are not as though they were and watch them happen. What you were talking about during prayer with Brother Hamilton, I don't want to just say those things. I want to watch them happen. I, I want to say this is what it means. This is what it's about. This is... Had a prophet that I trust two weeks ago. Man, using the gift of prophecy, Brother Gray reached out to me and said there is a gift uh, of prophetic promise that's being unleashed in Indianapolis right now. It's being released in Calvary. I had two choices. Let me tell you what was happening inside. Remember that? What happened inside was, you can't really believe that. But there's a spirit inside of me. Brother Mac, there's this flesh part of me that was pulling me this way, but there was a spirit. It's this flesh part of me saying, you don't need to be given to that. that, that don't, don't you allow any kind of, what if people think that's mystical or hocus pocus? And then that spirit side of me said, what if people think it's biblical? And so, yeah, I'm drawing some strength from, but he refused, but I'm also drawing some strength today, but but he was wounded. How can you walk in here and, and feel the way you feel and preach the way you preach and worship the way he, well, part of it's because, but he refused. And if he can refuse, I can refuse. But a bigger part of it is, but he was wounded. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace. And so my flesh wants to tell me, you don't really believe all that, do you? But my spirit says, you better believe it. I believe it. Flesh wants to say, don't you buy into that healing. But my spirit says, wait a minute, he is a healer. My flesh wants to tell me, you can't, be, you can't get above that temptation. But the Spirit says, there is no temptation that has come against you but that which is. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. The best thing you can do is stand to your feet, throw your hands towards heaven and say, I'm refusing the lies of the enemy. I'm refusing the negativity. I'm refusing the doubt. I'm refusing the trepidation. Come on with your hands lifted in this room. I want somebody to say, God, let your spirit, let your spirit win. I'm speaking to some father right now. I'm speaking to some husband right now. I'm speaking to some woman of God right now. You hear me right now, please. Your hesitation is your humanity, but you better not become arrested in your hesitation. 
Maybe it's taken you a moment, but you got to refuse that work of the flesh. Maybe there's been a little indecision. Maybe it's been a little slower than you'd like it to be, but you've got to refuse that indecision. Man, I got a lot to preach, but I feel like somebody needs to just throw, your, throw their hands towards heaven. Oh, Man, I'm talking to somebody right now. For you, it is your work conversation. You are not a Christian in your work conversation. Come on, I love you. I'm trying to help right now. Somebody in this room, the enemy's been attacking your faith. And you feel hesitation in your spirit. You feel like you're up and down inside. You're on a spiritual roller coaster. Somebody could serve hell notice in this moment right now if you'd step out of your pew and you'd walk down to this altar and you'd say, I'm refusing every lie of the enemy. I'm refusing every lie of that. That old serpent, that old dragon who keeps telling me that my family's not gonna be saved. I, I refuse every lie of that old been sending temptation against your minds, been spending, sending negative thoughts and depressing. I'm reaching for somebody who's been in the valley of hesitation. You've been in indecision. And I'm talking to people right now, you want to walk to the front, but your own flesh is talking you out of it because you're in hesitation. If you come to the altar, press all the way in. People are trying to come, please. Press all the way to the front. When you get here, just stand and lift your hands and begin to pray that God would give you the strength. <laughs>